listening to the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 43. My name is Dan Ryan. I am your host, and with me this morning is Dean DeFalco. Kimono Lord. Kimono Lord, Dean DeFalco. Evan Goldstein is, uh, well, we can't tell you where he is, because... Classified, bitch. Because it's classified. It's just the way it goes. So, hopefully he'll be back with us next week after uh, taking care of his top secret mission in Djibouti. Wow, dude, awesome. Love it. I haven't heard that since I was in like middle school geography class and I was like a Djibouti. Djibouti. I know. Is it is it sad that that still makes me laugh like it did when I was in middle school? No, not at all. Uh okay. I I still you made me laugh about it right now. <laughs> so, bunch of stuff came out this week, bunch of really good comics, some really big things happened this week. This week was Comic-Con International. Uh you know, 2015 version. There was the Suicide Squad trailer. Did you see it? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, the only thing that I happened to catch was the Flash extended trailer where Jay Garrick is up in this bitch, and he's like, what mm-hmm. up, I'm Jay Garrick. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's Jay Garrick. I am so happy. And they all but they all but confirmed, I think, that uh, Professor Zoom the reverse flash will be uh making his debut on the show for I'm gonna, real. I'm gonna miss Tom Cavanaugh though, man. I, I like uh, Tom Cavanaugh. What else happened? you didn't so you didn't see the Deadpool trailer. I saw the Deadpool trailer. Which is fucking great. Like I'm really excited that they're going with it. Um lots of Star Wars news, lots of comic book stuff. Way too much for us to get into um, you know, within an hour long podcast. Go Check it out, like hit up a news site, check out all the good stuff that's coming out from all these companies. But there were also some comic books that came out this week and some pretty good ones. So, Dean, why don't you start us off? Tell us uh, tell us what you read. I know it was the new Archie book, wasn't it? It was. It was so sexy. <laughs> Actually, um, I was pretty excited for that book. I just didn't get around to reading it. Uh, I, I, you know what? I'm sure it's really awesome. The art looked really cool, and they're going different way with the story a little bit for more modern stuff. Yeah, and I tried. Did, so, I, no, so no, I couldn't make it through it. Ah, I love Mark Wade. Man. I do, but I just, I like I was, re- I got about halfway through the book and just put it down because I just didn't care. All right, I, well, I just didn't care, and and I know that I am certainly in the minority on that. Archie has been way more popular than you or I will ever hope to be for way longer than we've been alive. Hang so. on, hang on a second. <laughs> you don't know that. Next year, we could be way more popular than Archie. <laughs> That's my goal now. <laughs> be more. You got the red hair, man. You can pull it off. I could. I want that on my tombstone now. <laughs> way more popular than Archie? Yep. Oh, okay. Dan Ryan, way more popular, like way in all caps. Way more popular than Archie. I fucking anyway. love it. So, what else did you read? Or, well, not what else did you read, but what did you read? So, going off of that, I guess let's get the obvious one out of the way. I read Sonic Boom. Mm-hmm. You know what I don't want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Sonic fucking Boom. You, uh, Man, you know what it is? I, it's, it's, I, I realized this. It's too much Sonic for me. It's just, there's not enough Mega Man. Too much Sonic. Main characters are all really Sonic characters, but that's really because there's way more Sonic characters in, you know, the Sonic universe than there are Mega Man characters in the Mega Man universe. Yeah, Mega that's Man true. is it's Mega Man, Doctor Light, Roll. They, you know, introduce some good guy characters. Breakman starting to make his move towards being a good guy. Um, uh, you have Quake, a woman who will eventually become a bad guy, unfortunately. Uh, you have uh, all the, the Mega Man uh, villains that have been reformed, but they're not necessarily good. They're just sort of, like, turned over, and they don't have their own personalities. They're very one-dimensional, so you don't really get to see too much with them in it. Right. So, you know, it, it's like, Sonic this, Sonic that, Sonic this, Sonic that... Mega Man, Sonic this, Sonic that, Sonic this, Sonic that, Sonic there, Sonic here, Sonic there, Mega Man X. And then I'm like, all right, man, it's cool. Basically what happens is they're fighting the the Deadly Six or something like that, whatever they're called. I This is how much I don't give a shit right now. Um, 
and they were trying to buy time for Sigma because he's going to become his evolutionary master form or something ridiculous like that. You know, Sigma stuff. He's he's going to become better than he was. And I I get it. You know, it's cool. The one cool thing I was pumped about is right at the end of the book, he pops up and it's all the Mega Man X villains behind him. Armored Armadillo, Magma Dragoon. That's cool. Uh, Flame Mammoth, fucking Chill Penguin, they're all there, and it's awesome. There's got to be at least 50 of them on this two-page spra- uh, two spread, and it's really, really cool looking. It's awesome. Also, another highlight is, I was correct, it was Chung Lee that Sticks the Badger was talking to. Nice. So, we can expect Ryu, Chung Lee. I'm hoping a fuck ton of Sonic Booms and Flash Kicks to be had. <laughs> you know, if Guile's not in here... I'm going to fucking stop reading. I don't care what promises I make. <laughs> I want Kyle to be in the book. If he's not in the book, we're going to have some issues. Ryu's cool and all, but Guile goes with everything. Dude, if, and we all know that. If Guile does not throw a Sonic Boom in Sonic Boom, they will have missed an opportunity. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. That's like Inception <laughs> levels of like shit right there. Oh my god, that'd be so fucking cool. I want him to, like, fucking Sonic Boom, and then it cuts off, like, Sigma's arm, and then it pans out to all the Street Fighter characters. So that's not gonna happen. It's gonna be a Hadouken, or, uh, what do they call it? A, uh, Dragon Punch. A sure right you to can. The chin. Sure you can. Sure you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was good, man. You know, I, I, it's just, I'm a little burnt out on it. I'm, there's been other books that have been coming out that I've been looking forward to reading, and... Uh, Sonic, Sonic and Mega Man have sort of fallen on the back burner for me. Maybe if I got to read this all in one shot, it'd be a little bit easier to swallow, but I feel like I'm just treading water right now, waiting for something big to happen. It doesn't seem like a lot of big things happen in these books, and that's what's really killing me, and I think that's what's a lot more different than the, uh, previous year's installment of crossover stuff, which was Worlds Collide. There was always action going on, and there wasn't so much posturing, and this posturing is actually making me really, really tired very, very quickly, and I don't like it. Well... I don't want another piece of uh, it. it. You know, unfortunately, next week, you get two pieces of it, because you're gonna get oh, Mega Man 51 and Sonic Worlds Unite Battles. Those are bad, man. Means. They're just... They're they're not fu- it's it's literally what it says. Oh hey, you read about this battle in this the the previous book. Well, we're gonna go into more detail about it. Well, here's and we're the going to fight. do three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I think Archie has sort of lost its way a little bit. As much as I hate to say it, with this book, we didn't need a battles issue. There, that's that's really trying to squeeze all the money you can out of this. Yeah. So I'm I'm not too happy with that. But, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? I'll keep reading it. I'll keep telling you how much I'm not liking it right now. <laughs> but hopefully that'll change. On the brighter side of things, I got two more books. Um, They're both pretty good. But let's start with the one I was really excited to read this week. was Invader Zim. Invader Zim was fantastic. If you guys... Haven't realized, or you're a young listener, which, God, I hope not, tell your mom you're listening to the show because you really shouldn't be, and we're warning you, don't tell your parents, actually. <laughs> we don't want to get in trouble. We don't need angry parental letters. Yes, we do. So, do yeah, we? Yeah, bring them on. Okay. Sure, why not? Tell your parents. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your grandparents. Tell your uncle. Tell your aunt. Tell them to listen to the show while you're at it, too. That's right. More listeners. Come on down to Crazy's Dan's Podcast Depot. <laughs> Where the prices are insane. Insane. Anyway, yeah, Invader Zim uh, leaves off where the TV show uh, stopped, and it's really cool. Dib's been waiting for years for Zim to pop back up again, and (laughs) he's all, like, fucking decrepit, fat. He's fused to his chair because he's been sitting (laughs) in it so long. Uh and when Zim finally pops up, Dib goes all gangly and disgusting to go freaking see him. And Zim's like, oh, excuse me, ill person. I'm waiting for Dib. Please move. And Dib's like, no, Zim, it's me. I've come to stop you. And Zim's like, oh. Oh. Dib! <laughs> and he goes on with this whole like spiel and whatnot. And it turns out Zim's been hiding in this toilet 
Naturally. For all this time. Yes, just sitting there hiding. Makes sense. And waiting. And Dib's like, are, are, you, are you serious? You've, you've just been sitting in your toilet for years waiting. And uh, <laughs> Dib's like, yes, it was an ingenious plan. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you know it's it's just regular Zim comedy and stuff. It's really like lighthearted and and the so, sort of well, no, nah, it's not lighthearted. It's funny and dark. Um, and there's plenty of Gur because we all need Gur and everything. Yeah. And you know what the best part of this is? I think you can actually get into this book if you're a new reader, which was cool because it really gave you enough backstory to it where you know who Zim is, you know who the tallest are, you know who Dim and uh, Gaz are, you know who Gur is. Like, it it, it all makes sense after you read the first two pages. It's not like, you know, they just throw you into it with absolutely no um, relevance whatsoever. So That's awesome. It, yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's a great book just to pick up and read. It was such a good show. It's yeah. It, seriously, if if you're listening to this and you have never watched, um, you've never watched Invader Zim, you need to watch Invader Zim. Like that's just, it's just one of those things that if you've never seen, you you are sorely missing out, man. It was such a fucking funny show. The animation was wonderful. The voice acting was absolutely fucking fantastic. It is literally laugh out loud funny oh it is i mean you know when i was actually oh god i i think that show came out when i was like 10 or 11 and i didn't get it for a while because it it was dark like you know and i was used to watching stuff just like you know fart jokes and this was not fart jokes this was a little bit more deeper than that and then when i got older i appreciated it way more it it's and... so smart it's and even, oh yeah very even when it's being like silly and ridiculous of uh, you know of the tallest sitting around talking about about humans and the tallest are in charge of their people because well they're they're taller than everybody else and they have the it's in like the first or second episode of the show and he's like wait a second but they're tall wait but they're stupid come on but they're tall but they're stupid like just ridiculous back and forth kind of shit just goddamn it watch the show oh yeah definitely it's, so it's, it's certainly worth the watch it's it's great um there's plenty of like references too like mini moose shows up <clears throat> and uh it's it's dib and mini moose having a conversation outside the house mini moose is just going peek <laughs> and Div is like, oh, you like my jacket? I just, you know, some people, they can't pull off the 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 goth uh, long trench coat look, but I feel like I can do it. I feel like I can do it well. And then Dib takes off in a spaceship, and Div looks at Minnie Moose, and he's like, I bet you didn't even like my jacket. <laughs> and then he electrocutes uh, Dib, and it's fucking great. So, yeah, it's, it's plenty good. I don't want to uh, spoil it too much. It's just a really solid book. It's a lot of fun to read. I had a great time. I'm really looking forward to the next issue. Uh, it's everything you'd expect from a Zim book, so there's no reason not to pick it up. Yeah. And for new readers, if you're just looking for something, you know, funny, it's great. Uh, is this Arcana or Arctic? Uh, it's I, Oni, fucking Atari. Oni, thank you, Oni. I, I couldn't think of the name. So, yeah, it, yeah and Oni Press also does uh, um, Kaiju Max. Kaiju doesn't. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, these guys are coming out the gate big time, bro. Yeah, so now two Oni books on a pull list is uh, not something I thought would be happening anytime soon, but here we are, man. And they're, they're monthly books. It's not like, yeah. you know, some of their shit where it just showed up for one week <laughs> and then it was gone for six and a half months. Gone forever. Yeah, so I mean, looking at you, oh, non-player, man. which is image, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> the happens. point stands. Yeah, so yeah, if if you get a chance, pick it up. Oni's kind of really making their mark here now, and it's 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 a big deal. Pick up Kaiju Max for one because we've talked more than enough about that book to tell you guys to pick it the fuck up. Spoilers and for next pick- week. We'll be talking about Kaiju Max number four. Almost definitely. <laughs> Fucking Xander Cannon up in this bitch. Uh, actually, he won't be up in this bitch, but we'll be talking about him like he's up in this That's bitch. That's right. 
And uh, yeah, pick up Invader Zim. It's great. In fact, if you go to the shop next week, pick up both of them, dude. There's no reason not to. They're great. Just, just fucking do it. Take our word for it. We're almost 100% sure you'll like it. I'm, I am 100% sure. There I you go. Dan you. is 100% sure. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't lie. No, he's 100% the realest man I know. That's right. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got for us, Dean? Uh, the last book I read <coughs> is, I, I know I've been talking a lot about this, but it, I just, I want, I want it to work. And I think this week it worked. Uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman 42. I read it, and it was good. It was good, and I liked it, and I think Scott Snyder found what he was looking for. Um, you know, it it's it's a it's a lot of I think them trying to find their mark, just like Jim Gar uh, Jim Gardner, <laughs> Jim like Gordon, old Jim Gardner. <laughs> you know him. Yeah, you know the Red Lantern Batman. <laughs> that's the commissioner and a baseball player and all that. He's he's something. He's multifaceted. Um, that guy. He's got layers. Yeah, his bowl cut really is fantastic. (laughs) Fucking bowl cut. Fucking Gardner piece of shit. Damn it, Jim Gardner. I like Guy Gardner, too. I don't know why I'm saying that. Uh, But, uh, yeah, um, Jim Gordon is, like, really trying to find his place as Batman, and I feel that's the issue Scott Snyder is having. Because Greg Capullo is Greg Capullo. He could draw Batman all day, up, down, robot, bunny, whatever. Fucking doesn't matter. He can draw it well. Yeah, dude. I would but, I would fucking watch or I would read a Greg Capullo book if he drew my day, which doesn't involve all that much right now. Like just me kind of sitting on the couch watching TV. I would read that fucking book because the guy is that good. He'd make your shirt like all flowy all over the oh, it'd place. Be fucking, like, it'd be it's so just, dope. Like, it'd be so levitating good. off your chest, like in fucking seventeen different directions. It's got the beer in one hand, oh, God. chips in another, and your hands are just on the remote. And like your your fucking one shirt arm is like holding your kid or what? <laughs> My know. beard would look so, so majestic. Oh, it would. It would. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, Capullo's not having an issue transitioning, but I mean, the art stayed the same, so there's no reason that it shouldn't. Right. However, you know, Snyder has to come with, uh, come up with brand new stories for a character that's not Bruce Wayne and is a totally different, different persona. And I feel like he's starting to come into his own. Uh, towards the uh, just real quick, uh, this goes back to Batman Forty One, where he was fighting this elemental, like crazy electric guy. Right. And um, turns out this is actually some sort of um, uh, next-gen weaponry that this arms dealer is selling to people. It's like a little chip that uh, these mob bosses are putting inside themselves, and it gives them crazy-ass powers. So uh, last week, yeah, of course, you know, normal shit. Uh, so, uh, last issue was the, this, uh, the big, uh, God, what do you call it? Like the Mexican cartel type of guy. And, uh, he had the power to control electricity and it was pretty ridiculous. And then you had, um, this guy who was the Chinese triads and this is a guy that Gordon knew and actually had a collar for. And, um, he, he has the ability to control, um, silica silica based products so everything that's in every building street ground piece he can tear up and you know turn into a piece of himself um so it got to the point where jim is having a bit of a hard time like figuring this out and he's like what would batman do what would batman do and this seems to be a recurring theme is what would batman do and it finally clicked that He's not Batman. He's he's Jim Gordon, and he needs to make his own decisions. So, um, you know, he it gets to the point where this guy's got him pinned down, and like new Batman's not sure what the hell to do. He's underwater. Uh, the people in his Batcopter are screaming at him to get out of the suit and eject because it'll implode soon. And he's like, you know. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna lose, and I don't even have a wait a minute. And at the beginning of the book, they introduced the bat truck, which is remote controlled from his bat suit. Nice. So he's like, guys, how much pressure would it take to crack what uh that silica is made of? And they're like twelve thousand pounds. Why? 
And as soon as you see that, he drops the bat truck on that motherfucker <laughs> hard. And it's awesome. And it's everything I wanted. Nice. Bat truck, fuck bat truck. And Jim Gordon didn't like bat truck either. So I like it. I like it a lot. It was supposed to be like his mobile cave. They paid like $15 million for it. He didn't really appreciate it that much, I guess. Nice. <laughs> but it, it was it was cool. Um, You know, after this, it starts uh, getting on to the point that he doesn't he can't meet with the commissioner anymore because he's not you know Bruce Wayne Batman he works with the the government actually no he works for the government because he is a government mandated project right so you know it's not Bruce Wayne who can you know meet in secret and you know work outside the rules jim has to work inside the rules because he is the government so it's it's a totally different thing, and the commissioner's like, we can't do this anymore. Like, you know, I'll get in trouble, you'll get shut down, and you won't. There'll be no Batman anymore. So, uh, you know, after that, it goes on, and he's trying to come to terms with like, you know, him being a G man, and like he has to still abide by all these rules. He doesn't have the same. I don't want to say, um, gifts that Batman did because Bruce, I don't think really had luck on his side most of the time when it came to working with the police. Most of the time, they hated him. So <laughs> that was probably not a good thing. Yeah. But um, but he did have a certain book, amount of freedom um, within the character to kind of come and go as he pleases. Correct. And Jim doesn't have that. He has to answer the call whenever, you know, the police do. Um, so later on, he gets into... Well, actually, that story ends... And you see an argument between these two kids, and they're holding two action figures. One's old Batman, one's new Batman. And the kid's like, you know, I don't care if he can cure cancer or if he can stop terrorists and stuff. He's not old Batman. And I'm just waiting for the old Batman to come back. And, you know, I I, I don't think that he's really dead. And the kid's like, no, he's definitely dead. Isn't that right, Mr. Wayne? And there's good old Bruce with his nice big beard being like, I don't know, kid, you know, but call me Bruce. Call call me Bruce. Nice. They, of course, Bruce Wayne fixing up what looks like an orphanage or something because, you know, that's what millionaires who have no money do anymore. They live in orphanages and they <laughs> fix stuff. <laughs> so um, he's talking to the head person and she's like, listen, can you get some uh, clay from the back for me? And. Uh, just like a couple blocks, and he's like, oh, "Okay." So he goes in the back. Wait, some some clay. Clay, yeah, they're, I don't know. I guess they're the gonna fucking do clay. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Look, it's like arts and crafts oh, okay. or something. Well, so. you said fixing, and then said go get some clay. Oh, well, clay, he, he, and... he he he's doing his own shit. Like he was like, "I fixed the air conditioner." She's like, "Good, get me some goddamn clay, bitch." And he's like, "Well, all right, all right that's good." I, yes, I, I thought he was building a structure out of clay, which you know doesn't work all that well. But carry on. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we have Clayface to thank for that. <laughs> Bastard. Jerk. Uh, yeah, so he gets into the supply room, and there's a shadowy figure standing there, and he's like, Bruce Wayne. And, of course, Bruce is like, who are you, and what do you want? Get out. And it's Jim. And Jim's like, you're old Batman, and I'm new Batman. Help. <laughs> Help. Fuck. Help. I mean, I don't understand. He's looking for guidance, man, and I don't blame him. So he's not asking Bruce to come back or anything. He just wants, you know, an idea of, like, what the fuck is going on. Because let's let's talk about it real quick. Jim is much older than Bruce. Jim is in his 40s. He was a smoker. Uh, he was in the Marines, but he doesn't have the martial arts training right. that uh, Bruce had. And he's not as smart as Bruce. Nowhere near it. He's got, you know, cops intuition. But he doesn't have that mastermind personality that Bruce has. So right. it's just, it's like, I think he's having trouble coming to terms with this great responsibility he has thrust upon him. And he's trying to live up to this Batman moniker, but he's not sure he can. And when he found out that Bruce was alive, I think his first thing to do was to track him down and figure out how does how does he do this? How does he live with this, you know, huge responsibility on his shoulders? Well, that that definitely seems like an interesting way to take that book of sort of putting Bruce in the mentor role for for Jim Gordon, because uh, look, uh, 
I think we're all pretty well aware that Bruce will be eventually back under the cowl. Like, this is not going to stick. I Well, I say it's not going to stick. I would be shocked if it did. Right. You know what? I'm almost kind of pulling for it. It's like an underdog story, like Rocky or something. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, I'll I'll read it with Bruce or I'll read it with Jim. This hasn't been, this wasn't a bad um issue. And to be honest, the stories in their entirety aren't bad. It's just he's more normal than than Bruce. But I maybe it was time for that. You know, a, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne has always been kind of ridiculous. I'd like to at least see <laughs> yeah. Jim get into, like, one major fight with one of the more established villains and see how that goes. Because I think that'll be the true test. If they can write something with one of the old villains, you know, maybe this can work. Well, and I certainly think the that a guy as talented as, as Scott Snyder will be able to pull it off for a little while. But I don't know. I I just I have a hard time believing that things in comics will ever change. Because they, they never uh, have so yeah, far. Yeah, they, they don't. So. Yeah, you know, Spider-Man is Peter Parker again. And, I mean, they Marvel really tried fucking hard for that. Right, and the Superior Spider-Man was awesome. It's the most interesting that Doc Ock has been in years and years and years. And the book was selling well, but you knew Peter was coming back eventually. You know, just like Captain America, Steve Rogers is not going to stay old. It, it that's, that's it's true. just not gonna yeah. it's just not gonna happen you know and the falcon is captain america sam wilson like the character works and it makes sense and it's it's an interesting read but at the end of the day you know the these characters kind of have the benefit and the curse at the same time of being timeless right they will forever be 32 years old while the rest of us yeah. continue to get older age you yeah. know <laughs> these guys just never do so if they do stick with it i mean i think that would be really cool i don't know i just i have i have a hard time believing that they will and and that kind of colors a lot of how people read these books unfortunately is because now it's like all right well i'm not going to get really all that invested in this because eventually they're just going to change it back well you know know, to be honest Real quick, don't you think DC sort of sort of jumped the shark, which with this big end game, uh, thing with the Joker? I mean, this was like a huge fucking story. Uh, yeah, you know, and it was only forty issues in. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, there's <laughs> other villains. Like, this was the second time Joker was used. Uh, compared to. We haven't really seen anything with Mr. Freeze. There hasn't been a crazy story arc with Poison Ivy. Nothing with the Penguin, for the most part. I mean, in Detective Comics, definitely. But in, like, the main Batman storyline that everyone reads, right. there hasn't the been Scott all that Snyder much. Version. There yeah, hasn't and... been Two-Face. There hasn't been Killer Croc. There hasn't been Clayface. Really, I mean, there was, like, a two-issue little thing, but... And I, I get it, you know, some of them are a little bit of D-listers, but I mean, come on, it's Killer Scott Moth? Snyder. He can do it. Yeah, Killer Moth. <laughs> that's what we need. Uh, I, I, Man, Batman, that would be a cool story. Fuck but yeah, man. They, they, you know, they use Joker again, and then on top of that, they took it to, like, a nuclear level where, like, they leveled an entire city on top of themselves. Yeah. And I'm just like, in the... The fact of the matter that Bruce is still alive, I'm like, you know, I I don't know. This, this, this is a, and he looks unscathed too. So I'm like, I what the fuck, man? If he I was looks crushed, just fine. Yeah, if I was crushed by a city block, I'd be in a wheelchair or dead. <laughs> so I I don't know. You know, that's just me. And well, yeah, I, watching the uh, watching the UFC fight last night, Rory McDonald got punched in the nose one too many times. And he didn't even get knocked out when he lost his fight to Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler just, like, punched him a bunch and shattered his nose. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) There's a picture of them in the hospital. And they they were both, you know, I I mean, obviously, he has to be a good sport about it. Oh, sure. The fact that he went to go see him in the hospital and, like, hang out with them a little bit after he beat his face in was sort of nice. Yeah, but, I mean, like, that, that just goes to your point, though, of, like, how far can we stretch, um... Our, our powers of disbelief. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like a you know, city uh, fell and, on you. You yeah, should have then, a you know, scratch. 
Yeah, and then they say, you know, the Joker's immortal and whatnot, or he was immortal. We don't know shit anymore. He could be alive. He might not be. But that whole story arc, I was like, wait, for real? And then the fact of the matter is Scott Snyder made you guess at what was happening because Batman was trying to use logic and say that he can't be immortal. He only showed up, like, you know, uh, 10 years ago, and, you know, that's when I started fighting him. And then he starts looking back at, like, old news clippings and stuff, and there he is. He shows up. And, you know, you start uh, almost doubting yourself like Bruce is in the book. And it's like, fuck, I don't I don't know what to believe. So the fact is, he could still be alive. I don't want him to be alive because we don't need any more Joker right now. Right. There's enough Joker in this fucking world. Make a new character like you did with the talent or use one of the old characters. There's plenty of them. So give someone else a turn. Well, at- Black Mask. Why not? <laughs> fuck, seriously. Like. And when you look at comics, like that, that's one of the interesting things about it is that, you know, the, the Court of Owls, Scott Snyder has been on the book. It was Court of Owls and then Death in the Family and then the Year Zero and then this, this last Joker story. So he's had four story arcs since he's been on the book. And that took him 40 issues. So that is a little over three years. So... But in real time, in a little over three years worth of of comic books coming out, he's covered like uh, two months of Batman's life. Yeah, and you know he he's gone. He's tried to make up for it by like going back and forth in the timeline. Like Zero Year was a really really interesting story, right. and I mean there's a lot to it. And the whole thing with I, I mean that was him using not exactly the biggest villain in the book. He used the Riddler and he made the Riddler a fucking maniac, man. That was insane. That story Riddler has and, always been my favorite, man. Like I Riddler is my favorite Batman villain. It, it goes to show that there's more to him than what they've been using before the new 52, yeah, because it's, it's the old adage of there are no bad characters, just bad, right? No, you're right. You're correct. You're hundred percent. Killer correct. Moth could be badass. He could be. It, he's my it's, daughter's It's a favorite. long shot, but it could be. <laughs> my daughter loves Killer Moth. That's awesome. Yeah, she fucking loves him. I, it's it's the color scheme, which is why she decided when she was four that Killer Moth would be her favorite. But he's still her favorite. Well, at least she's still sure with it. It's it's not good to flip-flop between your favorite villains, and I'm happy it's still the Killer Moth. Damn right. I'm raising him right, sir. Correct, you are. Uh, so I'm I'm done with Batman. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. Uh, it this this book was good. Go read it. Go go a couple issues back. I think forty forty one. Um, is when it starts transitioning into this new Batman character. Check it out. It's not bad. Uh, give me your thoughts on it. Shoot us an email. Uh, mail at geekade.com. You know, let us know. Maybe I'm missing something that you guys picked up on. Uh, but yeah, Dan, what'd you read? Well, um. I've been really excited with the way the uh, the Walking Dead book has been progressing here these last uh, this last like month and a half or so. It's it's been coming out biweekly, so every two weeks there's been a new issue of the Walking Dead. And for a book that has been late before, it, it's kind of nice when you get this big run of issues, especially with the story being as interesting as it has been. And where we left off last time, if you listened uh, two weeks ago to the episode that. I did uh, by myself, I talked about at the end of uh, Walking Dead 143 that Alpha, who is the the female leader of the Whisperers, takes Rick up to this rooftop and is just stands him in front of a zombie horde that is, I mean, literally just thousands of walkers and is, you know, as terrifying as that should be. Rick is even more scared than we are looking at this. So issue 144 came out this week and it basically is, it's Alpha saying to Rick, like, look, you have nothing for me. I could take your settlement whenever the fuck I want it. You need to leave me alone. Um, And Rick basically says like, okay, I'm, we're getting out of here. I'm going to get Carl. Um, he tries getting Carl to leave his girlfriend again. Uh, Carl says, Dad, I'm not going to leave her. Her people rape her. And, like, 
naturally that sets Rick back off. Like he was God damn it, Carl! <laughs> pretty much. Like he was willing to go and then he's like, All right, fuck, they're raping this girl. I have to do something about it. Because as naturally you would, you hear about a, a kid in that situation, any decent person would be like, What the fuck? And this book has been somewhat controversial this week. Um and it and it's been somewhat lost amongst the just flood of news coming out of Comic-Con, but there is a really interesting dialogue that the leader of this clan that Alpha gives about rape and about what that means to her. And it's just, it's not for us to get into right now. Like it, it deserves more than a five minute conversation, but it's, it's definitely an interesting take on it. And she eventually breaks down and while showing strength in front of her followers by by telling her daughter she's a piece of shit and she needs to leave she is crying in front of her daughter and telling Rick that he needs to save her so there are some some cracks in the armor here that we see but as they are leaving she says you know do not cross into my lands again if you cross into my if you cross the border uh we will kill you and the border has been marked. And he, as they're walking out, he keeps saying, like, what the fuck does that mean? The border has been marked. And without getting too much into spoiler territory, the border has been marked with the severed heads of Rick's people. And there are, there's about nine of them that, it, the storytelling was done really, really well. Like, there's a couple pages of characters back at the the fair that they've had going on in the settlement talking about a character and saying like where is this person oh i saw them earlier but i don't know where they went and then you cut down to the bottom half of the page and it's their head on a spike Damn. and it's just over and over and over again and it was so fucking brutal like it was one of those moments reading this book and this book has been over 144 issues you know over 10 years at this point this book has been full of moments of holy shit and this was just another one of these those moments of looking at this going just god damn it and i promise you that there are if you have not read this book yet uh one of the characters that you really loved just got their head cut off and put on a spike. There is the the last image that's in there is it's a red herring for who you think it might be, but when the reveal happens, it is fucking gut wrenching, man. Like it is devastating and crushing, and some shit is going to go down. <laughs> like it's it's very Walking Dead. Oh my god, it was so good. It's just such a great book, and like like. That I've I know I've talked about it quite a bit in the last couple of weeks here, but I mean we're 144 issues into this book, and I'm still just as excited to read it every month as I have been since like since I figured out it was going to be a good book around like issue three when you're like you know this is really good I think I'm gonna like this book, you know 144 issues later, ten years later, it's still fucking awesome. It's still like it's just consistently great. It. This is going to go down, I really think, as perhaps the greatest example of serialized storytelling that there has ever been. Well, I mean... There has you know, never been anything this consistent this long. Well, no, I mean, uh, how long was Why the Last Man? Like 60 issues. 50? 60? Yeah, uh, you know, um, Preacher. 60 issues. You know, so... And let's also not glance over the fact that Kirkman... Whole time. Yep. Whole fucking time. Every issue. And <laughs> and know? Charlie Adlard. Almost every issue. The the first story arc um had a different artist whose name escapes me at the moment. Um Tony uh Tony Moore, maybe? Something like that. I I could be wrong. Um but Charlie Adlard has been on this book almost as long as Kirkman has. And it is it rivals what Bendis and Bagley did with Ultimate Spider-Man. It rivals what Stan and, and, and Kirby did on Fantastic Four. Like, it's, just, it's just insane. 
the level of quality that is put out week after week, month after month with this book it is just, it's, it's fucking bananas. And if you are not reading The Walking Dead, issue 145 will be an excellent jumping on point because shit is about to go down. They will catch you up more than enough. Like well, this I, is. Do you do you really think people can just jump on at like one of these issues and sort of understand what's going on? I do. They they make enough reference to things in the past, and the the beauty of of this story is that zombie apocalypse. People are trying to survive. That's all the background you really need. You know. You know. Like at the end of the day, these are people trying to get by in a zombie apocalypse. And you will get throughout the book, it's peppered with little references to, you know, well, when this happened or when that happened. Like, Kirkman does a, a really, really good job of keeping it open to new readers. Like, it's it's just goddamn impressive. All right. Okay, cool, cool. I'm, I'm so far behind, it's not even funny. Like, I, I stopped on issue, like, 20-something. Not because it was bad, just because, you know... There were other books at the time, oh, yeah. and I put it down. And then, you know, the further he keeps going, the more intimidating it gets to pick a book back up that's so far. No, like, it absolutely know, is. Ahead. And, you know, it, it's something that, that Nick and I had talked about back when Nick was getting into comics. You know, we had talked about things like Walking Dead and, you know, oh, God, there's so many issues. But then you jump into it, and you're like, fuck, I just read 100 issues yesterday. Like, you just tear through this thing. Like, same thing with Invincible. You know, Invincible is is over, you know, is in the, the triple digits now. And if you've never read Invincible, go back That's and a hell of a book. go back and pick up issue number one and you'll be done with it in a week. I promise it's that good. Yeah, uh, actually, I'd, I'd recommend that one to people. I mean, not that I'm not recommending The Walking Dead by all means, but, you know, Invincible is a much smaller book. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely a uh, book that, you know, you, you could definitely get into and uh check out especially because everyone knows walking dead not everyone knows invincible and i think invincible could be one of those books that people could really love just like a normal superhero book yeah i agree entirely like invincible is is another one of my favorite books that you know uh, it's it's just so damn good but all right moving on from there and uh and Picking up just so that we can uh, keep ourselves current a little bit here. Evan's not here to read through all the Secret Wars books. See, I, you know, he's really getting off pretty easy here. I gotta be honest with you. We should go back, uh, see which ones he hasn't read, and make them read them all in like two days. I, I expect an essay on my desk by morning, sir. Oh my god, we should do that. <laughs> we should just... Fucking have him write an essay and put it on the website. That's all right. He can take World War Three or whatever the fuck, or Dark Side War or whatever the fuck the next DC thing is. <sighs> or maybe we can just stop talking about the crossovers. Not that this one is bad. Like, I, I am still consistently surprised every week how much I enjoy uh, the Secret Wars stuff. Uh, the, the Secret Wars main book has been absolutely phenomenal and jonathan hickman uh they just announced I, I think it was this morning that once secret wars wraps up he's going to take a break for a little bit which is pretty well deserved i think for him and when he returns to comics he will be writing and drawing his own book which is how he broke into comics with uh the nightly news from image which if you've never read the nightly news man what a fucking book what a great just God damn it! Go buy the trade right now. Nightly news is fucking fantastic. So he's gonna be writing Barbie versus My Little Pony. God damn it! Now if that doesn't happen, I'm gonna be disappointed. Dean, why you gotta put that in my head? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. But this week, uh, no Secret Wars main book, just a, a bunch of tie-ins. And apparently, in Secret Wars. Uh, issue number five, we will get the explanation of how Battle World works. So all of these seemingly disparate, not tied together uh, tie-ins that we've been reading these last uh, couple of weeks here will be explained next week, I think, or, or in two weeks when Secret Wars number five comes out. But that being said, the two that I read this week... Uh, touch back on two of the biggest crossovers in Marvel's history, and that was Age of Apocalypse and Civil War. So 
the Age of Apocalypse uh, tie-in that came out this week, written by Fabian uh, Nizietza and art by Gerardo Sandoval, who I am not familiar with, or it had not been before this book, and now I want to see him draw everything. Now I want to see him naked drawing. Really good. Like, the artwork was just... For a book that was going back and touching on the mid-90s, you know, big muscles, big pouches version of all of these heroes, it captured that style without being awful, like a lot of that artwork in the 90s was. So it's got a very big superhero flavor to all the art, and the coloring was really bright, and like the the storytelling from panel to panel was really great. The battle scenes were really great. It it made sense reading it without being so overblown and so out of proportion to to make you think back to like, oh, art was kind of shitty back in the day, and I'm glad we don't do that anymore. But Ah, the Liefeld era. Yeah, well, and speaking of, Liefeld just put out a Bloodstrike book this week that he wrote and drew, like bringing back some young blood shit. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. I was going to read it oh, this God. week, but but just... Uh, it was a good week. Why ruin it? Yeah, you know, also, as an aside, in the Deadpool trailer, did you catch the point where Deadpool says, fuck Rob Liefeld? That was really yeah. fun. I'm really excited about that movie. Anyway, um, so Age of Apocalypse number one. If you're not familiar with the original Age of Apocalypse story, there is nowhere near enough time left in this podcast for me to go into it. Uh, Just let it be known that it is an alternate reality take where Magneto's the good guy and Apocalypse is in charge of shit. Uh, Mr. Sinister is one of his horsemen. Holocaust is one of his horsemen. Um, They are out just kicking ass. There's a mutant resistance uh, team that is like Nightcrawler or Nightcrawler and uh, fucking Cyclops and a bunch of other characters in this version of it. Uh, Apocalypse is the Baron of whatever this world is called. They they didn't give it a name, um, but it, it does take place partially in the Savage Land, so that might that might be something to do with it. But they are uh, uh, Mister Sinister is hunting uh, this mutant called Cipher, and Cipher he has the mutant ability to decipher. See what I did there and kind of decode language and words. And because of that, he has slipped through the cracks as being not a very important mutant because when you have a guy who can turn his skin into organic steel and somebody who can teleport and somebody who can fly, and then you have a guy who's like, I understand, I can read between the lines. Uh, That doesn't sound like the most impressive mutant power, right? Turns out that... As they are interrogating this guy, Cypher, the Summers brothers are doing the interrogation, so Cyclops and Havoc. Uh, Cyclops is certainly the more human-friendly of the two and kind of wants, you can tell that the character sort of wants to work together with the humans, whereas Havoc is just a fucking prick about it, and he's like, no, fuck them. The humans are going to stay in the concentration camps because we earned this. We are better than they are. Fuck wow. Them. Yeah. He's kind of mad. Yeah, he's 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 pretty badass in this book. Like he's he's a fucking dick, but I really like Havoc and I want him to be like a major character. And he's never going to be, but god damn it, I can try. Um there's a really good fight between the Apocalypse's people and the X-Men like Freedom Fighters. Uh Iceman is this is about as badass as Iceman has ever been, was in the Age of Apocalypse book. He looked really cool. His power level was used to to the actual extent of what it could be. Um, what was his scouter reading? Uh, it was it was over 9,000 by, like, quite a bit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. No. <laughs> Glad we went there. <laughs> I, if you if you like look through X Men lore and whatnot, there are a couple Omega level mutants uh, that they've identified throughout the history of the book, and Phoenix was one of them. Charles Xavier was one of them, and Iceman is one of them. 
Like he is, he is one of the most powerful mutants on the planet. And he is so badass in this book that you actually get to be like, Oh, okay. I get it. Totally understand. I'm with you. And Iceman's another one of my favorite characters. So like I get to see a couple of my favorite characters in this book. Turns out a short story long, uh, as they're fighting Cypher, figures out what is going on in the concentration camps in the human uh, resistance world where this group of X-Men is hiding, a group of X-Men that's being led by Magneto. Um, It turns out that they are hiding the virus that could wipe out all of mutant kind and kill Apocalypse. And that is what he was able to decipher by reading between the lines. And then, bang, cliffhanger. Um, It was a good book. I liked it. Like the, the problem with a lot of these books right now is that we don't know how they, like Evan has said, we don't know necessarily where they tie into the overall structure of secret wars and whether or not they're going to have an impact on the story. Um, But even if they don't, these are kind of cool, just alternate versions of stories that you may or may not be familiar with, right? They, they are doing a pretty good job of making them enjoyable on their own. Um, this one I really dug. The writing was solid. Uh, Fabian is a, is a very good writer. He's been along or been around for a very long time, doing relatively high level work for a very long time, and the art was really awesome. Gerardo Sandoval really impressed the shit out of me in this book. Like I'm I'm very much looking forward to the next one now. Well, sweet. That's that's good. Tie-ins that don't suck. I like it. Yeah, it, it's and Civil War number one. Uh, written by Charles Soule and art by Lennel Francis Yu, uh, was the same thing. Like, Civil War was a really, like, uh, kind of a game-changing crossover for how Marvel did things because <coughs> every crossover previous to this had been, you know, bad guys, good guys, big team-up, you know, whatever. Civil War, I mean, fuck, we're getting a Captain America movie based on it next year right it is captain america versus iron man with spider-man in the middle of the two this is where the iron spider costume came from and in the original civil war that came out a number of years ago uh captain america is killed in civil war right he is assassinated and it like kicked off this whole thing and eventually cap came back because eventually he was going to come back and it led into Norman Osborn taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and changing it into Hammer for a little while and the Osborn Corps and just all this other weird shit that went on in Marvel Comics for a while. But the, the book itself was really cool. And it took a lot of really interesting secondary characters like Cloak and Dagger and made them really badass and really important. You know, and what this book has done is it it takes that idea that Captain America and Civil War and, and Tony Stark are fighting in Civil War again. But instead of Cap getting shot at the end of it, uh, they trigger the self-destruct mechanism that Tony has at his compound. So he's got this like prison for all the superheroes that are not going to register with the federal government and give up their secret identities. He's got this compound rig to explode with, like, nuclear fucking weapons, right? Because he's Tony Stark, and he can't do anything small. As Captain America and Black Panther, like, Captain America's team has Black Panther on it, who goes in to try and hack the system, which triggers the self-destruct sequence to start. Uh, They try to get everybody out by going into Cloak and having him teleport people away, but Cloak is unable to close off the portal, Uh, quickly enough and ends up teleporting the explosion of the prison to St. Louis. I fucking love comic physics. Fucking great, man. Like there's just this really awesome panel of cloak way high up in the air. And pretty much like if you played Marvel versus Capcom, the Tony or Iron Man's like special repulsor beam, like big fucking cannon thing that shows up. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what Cloak shoots out of himself, like, down into, basically into the Midwest. Oh, God. And, like, the 
the dialogue that was going on like on the page was you know daredevil died that day this person died that day that person died that day and 15 million civilians it was like oh fuck okay so basically we've blown up the midwest and there's this giant crack in the earth literally creating a divide between the east and the west iron man ends up becoming the leader of the iron in the east and they are you know uh, we really only get a couple examples of people that are with him but in this book we see iron man is with uh she-hulk and uh captain marvel carol danvers are the heroes that we get to see on that side uh so they're on the east coast called the iron and on the west coast called the blue in the land of quote unquote the free uh we see uh stature and spider-man and the whole crux of the story is that they are going to meet this woman who lost her kid in the original fight that kicked off the civil war uh but she wants to bring peace between the blue and the iron and she has decided to live directly in the center of the two uh lands like so where the earth has been split apart there is the remnants of a bridge and she has built her house on top of it well yeah that's a way to protest it certainly is right so she has her name is miriam sharp she has gotten captain america and iron man to agree to uh, to come to a meeting to come have a sit down and try and try and talk some things through uh as we're as we're getting more information in this book, like we learn that Iron Man has quote unquote not working for him, but totally working for him, a group of assassins called the Bullseye Boys. Um, and on Captain America's side, if you cross Captain America, uh, you have to deal with the Avengers. And barring dealing with the Avengers, if it's something that should be kept uh, a little quieter, you have to deal with the Punishers. There are a lot of rules on Iron Man's side of things you can do. Uh, Captain America's side is don't be a dick and try and help everybody you can. That's pretty much, the, those are the two, two rules that he has over there. So obviously there are ideological things that are being discussed. They sit down, have this big talk, and in the course of their big talk, it's Iron Man wants, uh, wants land from Captain America. He says you have twice the land and half the people. Um, give me some give me some land and we'll call an end to all of this shit and cap pretty much says there's no fucking way that i would move one person in my land for you it's just never going to happen and as they are talking about this things start to get a little heated miriam stands up and says you know guys we can still make this work please don't give up where this is just the first step and as she, as she is standing up, she is shot and killed. The bullet that kills her is fired from the west. So naturally, Tony is like, what the fuck? That came from your side, Steve. You know, you got to fucking handle this, figure this out. And Steve is like, look, no, you're right. It does. He sends Peter Parker to go figure out some shit. He finds like this high-powered, crazy rifle that could realistically only be shot by Bullseye. Like it's, it's that kind of shot where it would take somebody with that level of skill to do it. Yeah. Um, and he says, look, you know, Miriam may have died, but that bullet was meant for me. Um, you know, the next time we talk, Tony will be when I accept your surrender, uh, to which Tony replies, you know, do you really think I had anything to do with this? And the last little panel of the book is Steve turning back to Tony and saying, does it even matter anymore? Damn, deep cuts. It's fucking good, man. Like, it's it's very strange to read this book knowing that ultimately at the end of the day, not much of this is going to matter. Still fun to read. Still fucking great. It was really well written. I mean, Charles Soule is a fucking great writer. Lennon use artwork, man. I mean, that guy is fucking all-world talent. It, it, it's so good. I know uh, I know some of the way that his his stuff is inked. Kind of rubs people the wrong way, but but man, I mean, artwork was great, storytelling was great, the, the 
emotions, the acting, the directing, like all of that stuff. That, like it was just a really fucking well-made comic book. And yeah, I pick it up, man. Pick it up. It's you know how it's going to end. It well, I mean, you don't know how it's going to end, but ultimately, uh, I don't know how how much of an impact it's going to have on the overall Secret Wars storyline. Hopefully, we'll get that information. But but fuck. In the meantime, man, it's just a good book. Nah, yeah, I got you, man. That that sounds awesome. I I might have to pick that up myself. Buy me a tie-in. <laughs> Buy me a tie-in. And th- there were a ton of other tie-ins that came out this week. Um, I'll probably read them, you know, uh, throughout the uh, the coming days here. Wait until uh, to get to Kaiju Max number four this week, because fuck yeah, Kaiju Max number four. There's some more good stuff coming yeah, out. Yeah, man. Um, Oh, there's so much more stuff we could talk about, but we're sitting at about an hour. So, Dean, why don't you let us know? Uh, well, don't let me know. I know. Let everybody else know where we're going to be in uh, in about two weeks here. July 25th and 26th, we are going to be at Garden State Comic Fest. Actually, I lied. It's Garden State Cat Fest. <laughs> all cats all the time, strictly from the Garden State. You can pet them. You can buy them. You can shave them. Whatever you Ew. want. <laughs> Just... But in reality, we're really going to be at Garden State Comic Fest, and it's going to be awesome. We have a panel at one o'clock from that we did for last year, which was Paper Cuts Paper Hunts 2015. Now we've gone up one year, and we're keeping the rules the same. We give everyone in the panel ten bucks. Actually, we give ourselves ten bucks. You guys in the panel don't get shit. You get to watch us. So there you go. That's great. Actually, you and, have to come and give us ten bucks. Yes. Every single one of you, $10. No. Awesome. Uh, the, the way the panel works is uh, we each take $10, Dan, myself, and Evan. I believe Chris will also be entered into the battle for our special edition. And we're going to go around the convention and find the coolest shit we can get for $10, no matter what that is. Uh, so last year, Chris won when he ran a Batman Avon hairbrush through his hair. That was definitely lovingly used. Yeah. So... He, he None got of lice. us could top that. It was terrible. Yeah. yeah, he had to shave his head for a while. He looked like Jim Gordon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we're back again this year, and it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be tons of artists, uh, so many different uh, vendors and everything, and this is just about comics. So if you are a hardcore comic fan and you want to cut the fat off with the rest, you just want to see the comics and everything and the work that these hardworking artists and writers do, Come to Garden State Comic Fest. I'm going to guarantee you're going to have a good time. We're going to be there. We'll be around uh, the entire two days, uh, Saturday, Sunday, the 25th and 26th of July in Menon Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Check it out. I guarantee you'll have a lot of fun. It's going to be a good time, man. And if you're looking for any information about any of the things that we talked about on the show today, any of the books that we mentioned, every week, Dean Lovingly Crafts a show notes section for you puts links to the things that we talked about in the show notes also puts link to our links to our social media to our facebook or twitter our tumblr our instagram our our tinder our all of that shit um those will be down in the show notes also our contact information you want to you have a question for us a book you want to promote hell you want us to talk about something Send us a link to your book. We'll fucking talk about it, man. We're all about helping out local, you know, local people, smaller people. If you've got a good book that that you think deserves some attention, shoot us an email, man. We'll we'll pimp that shit for you. We don't have any problem whatsoever with that. Also, while you're at it, make sure, please, I'm going to beg, please head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review that helps get eyes on the show. We'll read your review on the air. I promise that we will. It'll be awesome. We'll thank you. You'll be like our biggest fan, and that will be super cool. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at GeekAid. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at GeekAidDan. And let us know, you know, if there's anything you want us to talk about on the show. And Like I said, really, I would love to start helping promote some local guys in the, you know, we're up here in the tri-state area. We've got a lot of really talented people, a lot of talented guys and girls making some really awesome shit around here that we'd love to, you know, help bring to your attention, man. It's all about spreading that word. There's some really, really great shit out, out there and come out to Garden State Comic Fest. You're going to, you're going to see some of that really great shit for some, 
from some big national people and some local people as well. It's going to be a good time. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. For Evan Goldstein, Dean DeFalco, and Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan.